0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is
1: Ace Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. the going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! It's
0: one out. He's your home run derby champion.
1: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's
0: Cast Live.
1: Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Well, it is a little A's cast live. Hope everybody had a good Memorial Day and everybody was safe. And we're back at it with a little A's baseball coming up here. Game two of the three-game set between the Athletics and the Seattle Mariners. We got a great lineup for you. We're rolling today. And I mean rolling today in A's broadcasters. Vince Catronio will be here at 4.30 and Glenn Kuiper at 5 o'clock. And then at 5.30, National Baseball columnist Scott Miller will join us at 5.30. So Controdio at 4.30, G. Kuype at 5, and Miller at 5.30. You know, the first thing we're going to start out with today is good news is the A's still have a half game lead in the West. The bad news is they stink in division. It's just a reality. They're 8-13 and in division. You know, after the A's went through all of that, you gotta go to Tampa, you gotta go to Baltimore, you gotta go to Boston, get And we're like, you know, just wait till they can get back in division. And they've just they've not been good. They're one and three against Seattle, they're three and seven against Houston, four and three against Anaheim. I don't call them LA. That's eight and thirteen in division boy, what would their record look like if they actually just played somewhat better in division? And how much bigger of a lead would they have? And the bad news for today, where we are hoping, but, you know, the more Ramon Laureano set out, the more you realized he's got to go on the IL. And that's exactly what's happened. Retroactive to May 28th. Sky Bolt, who has been red hot. I actually had Sky Bolt in one of my... uh minor league reports. He was, he's been swinging it. So we'll see what Sky Bolt can do coming up from AAA Las Vegas. Because at some point you have to start looking how are they going to get some offense from a left-handed bat in the outfield. Because Seth Brown is just not getting it done. He, is, he has shown flashes No question of being able to hit for power. But you got to be consistent. And there's so many guys on this team right now that are not consistent. And to be honest with you, really, really struggling. You know, the whole let's wait till May, the whole it's early, that's over. We've hit Memorial Day. And today actually is officially a third of the way into the season. And when you start looking at some of these averages, my God, Seth Brown's hitting 204, but then again, Stephen Buscotti's hitting 202. Elvis is hitting 202. Matt Chapman, I mean, I I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. Matt Chapman right now is hitting 203. He's got 70 strikeouts. But here's a little note on him. Chapman is 3 for 36. That's .083. 13 strikeouts over the last 12 games. His 203 average and his 341 slugging on the season are both career lows. I I, I don't know. Everybody says he's healthy. But he is just not making contact. He is not making quality contact. And I think for all A's fans watching it, it's, it, it's, it's painful. I mean, this was his day yesterday. This is the guy represented by Scott Boris who wants a lot of money yesterday fouls out to the first baseman in the top of the second strikes out looking in the fourth strikes out swinging in the seventh and strikes out swinging in the ninth to drop his batting average to 203. I mean I don't I, I don't know what Melvin's to do And I I'm looking at the pregame lineup here. This is your six, seven, eight hitters. Chapman, Piscotti, Elvis, 203, 202, 202. I mean, it really it, it, it's shocking. If you look at how this offense has played this year, I mean, you you would how are they in first place? How's it even possible? And it's something that we have discussed in the postgame show. And I know people will say, yeah, but look at their success. And I had a caller in the post game show who I think just said it best. Their success of the past couple of years is not their offense. It's pitching and defense. That's one that's why they've won 97 games two straight years and if they would have played at the same pace you've heard me say this it would have been 97 wins. So 3 straight years of 97 wins pretty darn good, but it's cuz the front office somehow patched together pretty good pitching staffs. They are just a they're a streaky group. When they're streaky good, they're really good. When they're streaky bad, they're really bad. You know, it's like Chris Bassett's going tonight. And for the most part, your bullpen's been pretty darn good for you. This is why they win. Not because of their streaky offense. And the caller, the other, he, you know, said it perfectly. Hey, it might be great in the regular season, but this stuff's never worked in the postseason. So until it works in the postseason, what are we talking about? But Chris, they hit home runs. Oh, yeah, they got 70 home runs. 46 of them are solo. 19 or two run, four three-run shots, and one grand slam. And now you don't have Ramon Laureano, which is so disappointing because usually this guy seems like like an Iron Man. And, you know, you get that. You get a growing issue. Commander Cody, you get that old growing issue. The only thing you can do is rest, and you can't push it because if you push it and it gets worse, that means you're going to be out more time.
2: Yeah, and it was disappointing because I think Bob mentioned it yesterday in the postgame comments that, you know, he, it was, he didn't look good and they were going to make a move today. And I think a lot of people thought it was going to be Luis Barrera that was going to come back up, the ace-hottest-hitting hottest, hottest hitting outfielder in the minor leagues at, in AAA Las Vegas, down there in Vegas with Fran's boys. But it was Sky Bolt that came up because he's more of a natural center fielder and that's more of a fit. You can keep Canna playing left field, and you can put you can put Skybolt in center. And it's disappointing because Lorano's having he was leading center all center fielders in home runs. He was having a good year, and you know he was my guy. That was the uh, A's all star. You had Mark Canna, and it's, and now he's he's going to be out, but it's retroactive to May twenty eighth. So he'll, he could be he'll come back sooner rather than later. Hopefully, fully healed from that groin injury, and the A's can get him back in the lineup because he's a guy that literally will run through walls. Three where Rob Ruff Snyder. I don't know if you saw that play yesterday with the Twins where he literally ran into the wall uh, trying to track a fly ball. And the – the was it, it – was it, it was in t- Minnesota. They did a chalk outline of him running into the wall, which is kind of funny. But Ramon Laureano literally run, will run through walls for you. So it's disappointing to see him out. But you want to see him back in the lineup. And going back to Matt Chapman.
0: No, no, going back to your bad cliche. Uh, that, is that, is that going to make our top ten bad cliches?
2: Uh, running through walls? He'll uh, run, good...
0: run through a wall for you?
2: Uh, I mean, we already know what number one is he's a professional hitter. Uh, that's gonna be hard to top. um i I think he'll run through wall I think that has to be in there for sure that definitely makes the list. I gotta just,
0: I, hey I, just to give you an idea skybolt I was looking for it because we get a minor re, minor league report every day. Skybolt had a 448 on base percentage, which ranked fourth among all AAA batters. So he's been playing well. Now, the problem with evaluating that is that you're playing in Las Vegas. And once you get to Oakland, it, it's a total different deal. But this minor league report, I don't know what he did yesterday, but at one point he had a six game hitting streak. So obviously the front office right now is going with the hot hand. Yeah. And we got a, we got
2: the notes about uh Bolt. Let me see if I can pull up his numbers. Um, he was walked. Okay, the 27 bolt was walked 12 times. So 488 on base. He ranks second in Triple A West and on base. it's third in batting, fourth in o- uh, OPS, and ninth in slugging. So he's having a great year. Uh, I didn't see what Vegas did yesterday because um, their off day I think is usually on Wednesdays. So they played. They would have played yesterday. Uh, remember Sky Bolt was a giant for a uh, cup of coffee earlier this year. And then he was sent back to the A's. So we'll see what he can he can do because earlier today too the Mariners brought back Marco Gonzalez who hasn't pitched since April 27th he's going to pitch tonight but I think he's going to be like a, on a pitch count he's only going to pitch like three or four innings but Kyle Lewis their star center fielder went on the injured list today as well so he's now out so the two yeah. center fielders are both not playing in the game tonight Ramon, Ramon Laureano and Kyle Lewis so that's kind of disappointing if you're a fan of uh, star studded outfielders in this series in this series between the A's and Mariners but. Going back to Matt
0: Chapman for a second. Well, oh, hold on, I want to go back to Lewis. Okay. Uh it was yesterday. So Lewis was supposed to be the runner on second base in extra innings and all of a sudden he wasn't. And it was like, why wouldn't you want him being on second base? He flies. And then then the report came down that it's a knee injury.
2: Yeah, it was a torn I think it was I'm going I got it right here. It was a uh, right meniscus tear in his knee
0: yeah that is not good for the and, and and to be honest, you know one of the hottest teams in baseball, by the way, you know who this is on the phone? Can you hear that? Yeah. this is the DMV. <laughs> I was on the phone on on just waiting as I was watching MLB network when I te- what time did I text you? about the uh, about MLB network uh, we were we were both watching the same show around like 130. okay so I'm on hold and actually you now I've been sitting there I'm like it's been an hour so what I did is they gave me the option press two and we'll call you back so I drove down to the DNV took care of my license so I started calling them around I'm, I'm gonna check this just to show you how inept the DMV is I called the DMV at 108 it took so long that I finally went down to the DMV took care of my business went to Costco came back home started this show and now they're finally calling me back at 412 I'm not surprised it so I called them at 108 and they're not getting back to me till four twelve. So that's what well, that's only three hours. You're supposed to wait that long. I mean, you talk about a missed man and then you go down there and oh my it's just and you wonder why people there's certain things in our lives, there's certain places in our lives that we dread going to. Maybe that could be a top ten with Dave Feldman. <laughs> Top 10 places you have to go, but you absolutely dread going. Like, if you were on the prices right, I, D, DMV's got to be on the list.
2: Yeah. i trying to think. Of, well, I don't really don't go anywhere anymore. Um, <laughs>
0: Dennis is going to be on there.
2: Yeah. I, well, I don't go to the doctor, so that's on there. I probably should.
0: But... Doctor's going to be on there. Dennis is going to be on there. DMV's going to be on there. Uh, visiting my parents is on there. That's not going to be on people's list. Most people like visiting their parents. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I, I can't. My, mine are dead, so I can't visit mine. So, um, I, I'm playing the emotional card there. By the way, uh, I mean I, the, the top ten. There's we we got to come up with a list. Yeah, you, t- you Totally can. You have, you have to go, but you dread going. For some men, I would put the mall on there. Oh, absolutely. I, I could fix the mall's problems. I, if they actually put, like, televisions with sporting events on and somewhere on every floor there was a place that served beer, more, more men would be willing to go, which means more women would go and more women would spend money. They, they they trick it out just for women. But if they made it a place where men, could like at, at Nordstrom's, on every floor – a place where husbands could go watch sports and drink beers, they would make more money. That's my theory. But getting back to Kyle Lewis, yeah, sad that he's going to be out for a while. But the Mariners, you know, when we thought, oh, the Mariners are in rebuild mode, forget that. This Mariner team, they're mowing people down right now. And they they their record, they're over 500. And, and they're, roar, they're roaring through the the American League West right now. How about this? Their bullpen is 3-0 with a 1.91 ERA over the last eight games. Is that any good? They have an MLB best record in extra innings at 5-0 and in one-run games. They're 13-5 in one-run games. That means you got a good bullpen. And Kendall Graven's not even back yet. Four of Seattle's last six wins have been by one run. Hey, man, this, I mean, the A's, this is a game where, so everybody likes to throw around ace. Everybody wants to call people an ace. If there was a game where Chris Bassett needs to be like an ace, that game is tonight. Because the A's need a win. Because they're struggling right now. You've got to put up a ton, I mean... Until the offense really gets going, and I know they scored five yesterday, but until the offense gets some consistency, there's got to be a lot of zeros put up on that board. And the bull, And yesterday's game, I talked about this with Ken Korak in the postgame show. Extra innings, if you win it, you're leaving the ballpark that night all fired up and you don't care that you played extra innings. But when you lose a long game like that and you exert so much and you come away losers, oh man, Cody, that, that's a that's a punch in the gut right there. So that's why this start right here is huge for Chris Bassett to mow down the Seattle Mariners and get some good mojo going for the A's. Yeah, and like I said, Marco
2: Gonzalez is back. He hasn't pitched since, what, April 27th because of a 4 on stream. He's only going to go like three or four innings according to Scott Service is what I read. So you're trying to get to him early. He's he's what they would call, I guess, he would be the Mariners' ace, uh, but he's coming back from an injury. This is there a you, there
0: you go again. That's yeah, hey, an ace out there. Hey,
2: I'm just throwing what other people say because I'm with you about throwing the, the term ace out there. Jacob Degrom is an ace. He went six innings last night, struck out eight, and he had like his average fastball velocity was 100 miles an hour. He has a .71 ERA through eight starts. That is what we call an ace. Okay. We're, we're throwing the loosey-goosey term ace out there for everyone anymore just because the guy's leading a staff. Zach Gallen was the ace of the Diamondbacks last year. He's not an ace, okay? So let's just pump the brakes on throwing the term ace out
0: there. But So, so the, the rule is this. Not every staff has to have an ace. You
2: have a good pitcher, He's but he's Thank not an ace. He's the best yo, pitcher on your team, but he's not an
0: or, ace. Or how about this? You have a guy having a good season on your team.
2: Yes, that that's a very fair point. I've seen so many guys, not just with the Pirates, I've seen with a lot of teams where a guy has had a good year and they go, oh, he's the next big ace. No, he's not an ace. He's just a good pitcher on a bad team.
0: Hey, by the way, uh, Ref Snyder, if you want to see the picture of it, there's a great <laughs> picture right now, cbssports.com. It's on the front page. You see how his face is just planted into the outfield wall. And uh, years ago, it was one of the mats. We had two mats come up, and I always made the joke because they both weren't very good, but it was the two mats. Look this up, up, Cody, because he ended up going to – there was two mats. I want to say it was 2012, and this mat ended up going and playing for the Dodgers. But it was literally the most clueless route I've ever seen to the ball where you appreciated the effort. Matt Carlson, not Matt Carlson.
2: Right, I'm pulling up so, the roster and let me see. Yeah, as soon as
0: you bring it up. I, I, I,
2: you said it was 2012. You think it was 2012. I think it was 2012. Okay, well, that team was good that year. Uh, Newsflash, they were good that year. So maybe I'll do 2011.
0: Okay, there's guy. There, there's two of them that came up, and they were just guys, nice guys, but just guys. And he said their name was Matt. Yeah, they were both Matt. That was my running joke, the Mats. The Mats have come to save us. Yeah, good luck. Okay, well, all right. Well, to go think your preference, Alea, because people might think you're talking about
2: the Mats and Olson and Chapman.
0: No, 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 no. This was <laughs> this was long ago. This one guy playing center field. This the one Matt ran full speed. There's Matt Carson.
2: He played right field, and then there's Matt Watson. Oh
0: it's Matt Carlson. Matt Carson. Matt, Matt Carson. So he runs dead straight, center field, chasing this ball. This ball is way out. He's got no chance. And he runs straight into the wall at full speed. And I remember saying, does this guy have no feel? Like, at what point when you're running do you not feel the warning track? And how do you not realize it was one of those center field shots that's way up by you know the 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 green wall just below the seats the 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 hitting eye it was way up there so it's like a this guy has no judgment and b this guy has no feel how do you run i mean i could see if the ball's just getting over and you maybe run into it but when the ball is just launched and everybody in the ballpark knows it's gone and you run full speed face first into the wall that's where I go, I'm a little bit worried about that guy's instincts.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching it right now. <laughs> okay. Oh, it? Yeah, it, it's on YouTube. Uh, Juan Rivera hit the home. Angels, an, uh, Angels player Juan Rivera hit the ball. He runs to this, like, left center field. Comcast Sportsnet California sign in left center field at the Coliseum. Oh, face first. Contact. Face first into the wall.
0: <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember watching. that going, what are you doing? Uh, No, because the great outfielders, as we've, you know, whether you're talking about, I mean, great center fielders. I mean, Ramon Laureano is a terrific center fielder, but you start talking about guys that have been known to be some of the greats. You know, you think about King Griffey Jr. I mean, Devon White robbed a ton of home runs. Steve Finley run home runs. Uh, Jim Edmonds. I mean, all these guys, they always get to the wall. They feel the. they feel the dirt. And then they prepare themselves.
2: I sent it. You don't have to watch it right now, but I sent it to you so you have it for oh, reference. Oh, I got to watch
0: it. But they <laughs> prepare themselves to jump over the wall and get the ball. Yeah, and well, it, what are you doing if you're just running straight into the wall?
2: Yeah, and I'll and I'll give I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Ref Snyder because he's actually an an, an infielder by that's what he came up as. So he's playing the outfield at the outfield with the Twins. So he ran into the wall. Go back and watch it yesterday. It was Ryan. I'm, watch,
0: I'm watching this right now.
2: Ryan Mountcastle's. Oh one. my
0: God. <laughs> That Ryan, is
2: so bad. Ryan Mountcastle's the one that hit the ball yesterday for the uh, for the the Orioles. Uh, by the way, the Orioles uh, have lost uh, <clears throat> 14 straight. Uh, so they're they're going bro. Where the Rays have won 16 of 17, the Orioles have lost 14 in a row. So. Uh, there's your AL East update, if anyone cares how that how that division's going. Orioles are looking to avoid only their second 15-game losing streak in franchise history? Things are not going well in the uh, – uh, what do they call Baltimore again? What's the nickname of the city? I, come, I should know. I live far from Baltimore. It's the uh, – what's the what, – there's a nickname for the it's city. Charm City? Is it Charm City? I thought it was the Queen City. Or, or is that Cincinnati? But anyway, it's not going well in Baltimore. And then the Rays are on 16 of 17 and. Wait for it. I don't want to play it. It's in buying or selling, but, I mean, I might have to. And then in New York, you're just full on. Yankees not playing well. Full on panic mode.
0: I think Baltimore is the queen city. Okay, so I was right.
2: But, yeah, uh, that's where that happened. But Ruff Snyder just full out, just ran into the wall. It just looked like he didn't see. It looked like a hit stick happened, like a hit uh, truck stick play on Madden. Or someone hit a guy across the, coming across the middle of the field, but no one actually hit him. Just he ran into the wall. So uh, I encourage people to go check out the play, um, but I will not encourage people to go check out the Javi Baez Pittsburgh Pirates play. But I check. I encourage everyone to go check out the Roughsider play.
0: The Javi Baez play, one of the dumbest plays of all time in the history. Forget the history of Pirates history. This baseball the history of professional baseball. Is that me?
2: Yeah, that's you. Are you trying to watch the play on your computer?
0: No. I'm trying to get the uh, preview for. Uh... How do I get rid of this? So, my question to
2: you was uh, the question I was going to ask you about Matt Chapman. Do you know when his last home run was, by the way? It's been so long, no. It was May 5th. May 5th was his last home run. We're going on almost a month, was the last time he hit a home run.
0: He, he struck out 70 times in 56 games.
2: Uh, only, I think he's tied with. Eugenio Suarez and Javi Baez for second. Only Joey Gallo has more. He's 73. Oh, by the way, all those guys have more home runs, I believe, than Matt Chapman does. Except Suarez has like is at like 150 on the year.
0: All righty, we're going to have Vince Catronio on the program. The Mariners have won five games in a row, seven of their past eight, while the A's have lost three in a row. Something needs to give here. And everybody likes to talk about the back of the baseball card. Hey, it's after Memorial Day. When guys are hitting 200, I mean, we have guys in the lineup tonight that if they have bad nights, they will fall below 200 tonight. And it's May. But it's an epidemic. It's all around baseball. Kelnick's hitting for them. Kelnick's hitting 118. Trammell's hitting 157. The catcher Murphy's hitting a buck sixty-five, and Walton, the second baseman, is hitting two hundred. Six, seven, eight, nine for the Mariners in the lineup tonight, hitting 118, 157, fifty-seven, one sixty-five, and two hundred. That's disgusting.
2: Yeah, they're hitting two hundred five as a team. That's the lowest in Major League Baseball.
0: They're gonna, they're going to. Baseball as a whole is going to shatter the all-time lowest batting average. Strikeouts are still up. By the way, I didn't read the article. The athletic at times wears me out. Is the ball juiced? Is it not? What's the newest athletic on the ball?
2: Uh, Eno's article actually wasn't that long. Um, from what I gathered from it, it was like a for and against. Are you saying the ball is different or not different? Um, there was a case for both. But he was saying pretty much that the ball is not different, we could still see a record amount of home run or uh, no hitters either way. So. so the ball's not different? Well, this saying that either way, the case study, look at it, the ball, if, if it's different or not different, we're still going to see a record
0: number of no-hitters, I think, either way. Unbelievable. Well, there he is, looking pretty in the press box. What's up, Vinny? What do you got, brother? How are you? I, I'm doing well, and um, I'm tired of these articles about the equipment. And I, and I remember I asked uh, David Forrest about this. It's very odd that we're the only sport that doesn't really regulate its equipment. Like all the other sports do like, we don't know what ball we're playing with. Bats are changing in front of us. Should, should major league baseball step in and with the players union and figure out, okay, this is the one ball we're going to play with. And this is the bat we're going to play with.
1: Well, didn't they have an issue with that in new England with the football?
0: Well, that was deflating.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent point, And that's the thing. I, There are so many other larger issues that are on the table for the CBA, which expires December 1st. This should be on the list. Can they get to it on the list? I don't know, but yeah, you would think that everybody should be able to use brand X and only brand X in order to, for pitchers to feel like they can get tackiness on the baseball or do a better job in manufacturing to find a way to already have tackiness built in like they do in Japan. I don't know what the answer is, but I mean, clearly with players basically calling out each other, you know, they're eating. They, you know, the, the the mothers are eating their young, so to speak. They're all, you know, they're not unwilling to at least admit that it's out there, that it's an issue. And I'm talking about pitchers saying that, not just hitters complaining about the spin rates and how pitchers are able to manipulate the baseball baseball in a way that it's making it more and more difficult to hit. It, it would make sense for for something like that to happen, whether or not they actually get to that on a list of the things they really have to address this year, I think remains to be seen. Um, yeah. I would like to have a little more transparency of what's been happening so far. You know, we started with this Trevor Bauer thing when the Dodgers were in town and they, we, we actually witnessed with our own eyes them physically taking baseballs out of play and then taking them up to the umpire's room. And that's when I tweeted about it and it exploded. And it was just simply, Tell us what the process is. I'm not, I'm not attempting to accuse Trevor Bauer, anybody of of something illegal, but clearly we found out after the fact, this is a common occurrence that baseballs are taken out of play almost every game and they are up for inspection. You know, what's happening, you know, in the back room, that's what I want to, and who is making that decision? Who is looking at the baseball, who is an expert in in an area that could say, well, clearly they're using, X, Y, and Z, where they're not allowed to use that. They can only can use A, B, and C. So I don't know what, what the answer is, but there, there has to be a, a more clarity and more transparency on how that specifically that process works. And to call out somebody like Joe West did in the middle of a game, you know, that's just Joe West being Joe West. I mean, they could do that every game if they wanted to. I mean, even look at Liam Hendricks, who pitched for the A's and pitched successfully. You saw stuff on his cap. And they suddenly decided in the middle of the game to, to make a, you know, make the pitcher for the Cardinals, the subject of, of consternation. And just, I don't get it. And I, th- I think there's a better way to handle that. I don't know what, the, I don't know if they're going to get to that point to do that.
0: You know, on that day, it's not like you were playing Colombo. You were just, you were just saying what was happening.
1: I'm just simply reporting. Yeah. And I, and I said that after the fact, because I had never seen. certainly Trevor Bauer is a polarizing figure. And I, and I noticed that when when it between retweets and, and likes and, and whatever goes in Twitter land, it got up to a, a, close to a million, which is what this is stupid. And it was simply because of that one name. And I specifically said, all I, I'm just telling you what I saw. We're waiting to see what the answer will be afterwards. And it took us a while to get, you know, their version of an answer, which didn't really answer anything. And it's something that continues to this day. And, and there's been nobody really punished before a game starts that says this person can't start, or this person is being suspended because we found something that they used in the previous game that leads us to to say, you know, you should be suspended. And there's so many other well, I didn't do it. Uh, the ball was already there, or it was in the bag, or you know, there's so many different ways that you truly need to be uh, Perry Mason to to figure this out. And right now, Hamilton Berger is the DA trying to trying to you know exercise the law. And we saw his record on, te- on television. He didn't win very many cases against Perry Mason. So, and
0: that's kind of where we are right now. Hey, it was hot. I was using sunscreen, man. I was trying to protect my skin. I don't want skin cancer. What are you talking about here? (laughs) I mean, you see, I mean, I saw
1: even in in, uh, last night's game, even the last games here at home on both sides, A's and uh, Mariners or A's and angels over the weekend, the pitcher gets a new baseball, goes to his forearm, rubs it, gets the baseball, rubs it up and goes to work. It's like, it's, it's like breathing right now. It's, It's commonplace. And so the question is, Whatever substance is on that guy's arm, why is it or isn't it acceptable to use in a manner that allows him to manipulate the baseball?
0: You know, it's funny. We had Paul Hembikides from ESPN, the morning show, get up. And uh, we were talking about this. And he goes, yeah, when you're using Bullfrog. And, and, and I said, hey, I didn't know it either. Bullfrog's out of business. <laughs> you're like the only guy that knew.
1: <laughs> I'm not the guy that knew. I'll have to give a credit where credit is due. Uh, that came from Voos. Steve Usinich would know inside the clubhouse, and he's heard. You know, certainly he's heard a lot of the shows, and he said, "Yeah, they, you know, those guys keep talking about Bullfrog, and it's kind of like a, it's almost like a general term now. I mean, like you say bullfrog, yeah. you're thinking of you're thinking of sunscreen, but Bullfrog, to their credit, at least had that kind of uh, standing in the community, but apparently not good enough to sell it. So,
0: so do I go Coppertone now, <laughs> yes. or what do I go?
1: With? <laughs> That's for you to decide. Walk down the aisle, pick out a couple of brand names, and and, and do what you want."
0: Well, you know, my favorite is the generic CVS. Uh, 50 SPF, that's my favorite. Uh, when you look at tonight's game, just kind of like how the team scuff a little bit, how big of a start is it for uh, Chris Bassett?
1: I think Chris Bassett's fine. I mean, Chris Bassett, is, he, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. He, he knows what's at stake. He knows that likely he may not get a lot of offense. That hasn't bothered him so far, especially on the great run that he's on right now. I think it's more important to figure out what the A's can do offensively. Wow. I mean, they, are, they, are, they are in a basically in a total team funk outside of maybe Matt Olson, And to a certain extent, you get encouraged by what you saw from Chad Pinder last night. But everybody else, there's, uh, there's not a whole lot that's, that's consistent. To me, what's been encouraging to see, and, and it's lost in the shuffle of his team struggling to score runs, is how much Matt Olson has begun to use the entire field. He was, you know, a hard pull, better than fifty percent pull guy for a good portion of his career. And now you're seeing him, and we saw it again last night. Bullet the left center, doubles down the left field line. He's taking the pitch away, and he's doing some damage with it. I don't think it's necessarily going to reduce the shifts. He's been shifted all, but six times he's been at the plate. So I don't see that happening. That probably was because of a scenario with runners on base. So, uh, but to see him do the kind of things that Joe Fan is asking the player to do, which they think is so easy. We'll just hit the ball the opposite field. Just hit that 95 mile an hour moving pellet coming at you and just serve it the other way. It's certainly easier said than done, but I think what Matt Olson has accomplished here recently, and I'm talking about you know 10 day to two week trend that we've seen more of that center, left center, left field line. uh, That's really encouraging for a player that has already proven he's a premier offensive threat. And if he can add this to his arsenal on a consistent basis, It makes him tougher to defend, Gets some more hits, gets the average up. It's a chance to drive in more runs. If the A's get some guys on base,
0: you know, if we could go down the clubhouse, I would like to ask him is one of the reasons he's made some of these adjustments is because he's watched Mitch Moreland and the success that Mitch has had at times going the other way, if not almost hitting one out down the left field line. But a couple of times, Mitch has hit a ground ball to short gotten that base hit. I wonder if he's looked at that and gone, Hey, that's not a bad strategy.
1: Well, uh, I think it's encouraging whether it's because that's part of the equation or he just simply is recognizing what teams are doing to him. And there are, there are RBIs as well as base hits to the other side of second base, you know, and he's even tried to lay a bunt down once already this year, which didn't go well, but he is thinking about those things, even though he knows that it's not going to, it's not going to change the shift, but if they keep on pitching him over there and, and he gets a chance to do what he's done to that side of the field, it just makes him a, a tougher player to defend.
0: Yeah. Then yesterday's ball, I think, uh, if we got to ask him, that that ball it was smoked at him. But I think on most days he makes that play, and then that could have changed the outcome of the game.
1: I, I think so. And I, I think there have been more than one occasion this year where, where Matt also would tell you that that as good a defender as he is, and I don't think there's anybody better at the position in the league. There just have been moments where it it just hasn't clicked. You know that spin move that he does sometimes. He's dropped the ball a couple times on that missing that ball at first base, even though it was a, it, it would have taken an above average play. but I think we all agree Matt's an above average defender. and I think he, he views himself as such. Uh, certainly after the game, you could see his disappointment on the zoom when he was asked about it. you know it just the thing that's good about Matt is that he slows the game down so much and things roll off his back pretty quickly. He's not happy with it, certainly, and it may have been the factor that caused the Ace to lose the game if you want to dial way down into it, but he's, he's back out there today, ready to make another play. And I think he will. And I think that's what makes Matt Olson, you know, a premier player of the league.
0: So when you fill out your scorebook, I know you put the averages right next to the players. When you filled out your, I know you've probably already done it today. What was (laughs) it like filling it out for not only the A's, but especially like the the back five for the Seattle Mariners? Yeah, it's tough.
1: You know, and, and what's, what's disappointing too for the rest of the series two of the best center fielders are not going to be playing. Ramon Laureano on the IL now, and Kyle Lewis is on the IL. Sky Bolt is now back in the big leagues with the A's, and uh, Taylor Chamel is up for Seattle. That's unfortunate, especially for the A's. We, we know how important Ramon's energy is to the success of the ball club, and without having him in the lineup, it has certainly made a, a big difference. Uh, yeah, I get it. It, it. It's hard to hit. I know you've said this on more than one occasion. There are teams that are, that are hitting the ball like – uh, the Astros, and a few others. The A's have got to find ways, and they've gone with five straight games now without a home run. I'd like to see them go six games without a home run and win. And, you know, string hits together to where, while it is certainly an integral part of their identity and probably, you know, 1A of who they are offensively, uh, they've they've got to find ways to, to score multiple runs and in innings consistently without without relying or expecting or waiting for the long ball and on the pitching side. And I, I think Chris Bassett, I say this, and it, it might just all explode tonight, but the one thing that's really affected the A's pitching recently has been one big inning. And how do you, how do you put a bandaid on a big inning? I mean, I think that's an important question that young pitchers have got to learn how to limit the damage. You can give up one run at times You give up two, but when you get to three and four and sometimes five, uh, you've got to do a better job of just of shutting that down. And the A's have not done a good job of that here in the last week, and that's put them in a position that they are right now.
0: It's like a bad golf hole. You just can't stop it. It's just bad shot after bad shot. after. Then you get to the next tee and go, what did I just do? How many shots
1: are you going to give me on Thursday?
0: <laughs> I mean, you remember it's your course. Remember we when the, I we got the big
1: Townsend Korak Cup at stake. Shooty's playing. I'm playing. We're playing your home track. On an off day, I mean, you should be kind to us. You yeah. certainly should be giving us tips on how to play the course. You, you're out there 24 seven.
0: Do you remember when I said I thought I might have figured it out? <laughs> don't don't say that.
1: <laughs> don't say that.
0: Yeah. You know, my, you
1: know what my son always says to me when when he would take me to the range and he would try to help me. Dominic's a pretty good golfer, as we know. And I would hit a good shot, and his response is, "Dad, do it again." It's like, so you did it once. You got to do it like ten times in a row for me to even think that you have an idea of what you're doing. So that's where we all are.
0: Well, that's that, where I am. That's where, you know, when Phil Mickelson talked about his whole deal of now playing 30 to 40 something holes to try and train his mind to stay fresh as he's now 50, it made me think, yeah. And it got to be the same thing for whether you're talking about football, whether you're talking about basketball, to concentrate and be good and not make mistakes for that long. That's just not easy to do. It no, doesn't no. matter if you're in hockey. It doesn't matter if you're playing tennis. It's just for these pre- these professional athletes, especially as you get older, it's tough to keep that edge for an entire round game, whatever. Sure.
1: It's it's why we make out lineups and we sit in the booth and we enjoy the the beauty and the success and the talent with the guys we see on the field. How about Man's you? got to know his limitations, Tony.
0: Yeah, and I got, I got a lot of them, and that's why there's the beer cart girl. It always seems to make me a little better. So we're playing uh, 36
1: on Thursday now? Is that what you're saying? You want to play more than 18?
0: <laughs> uh, Scott Service, you're a very good friend. Yeah. He's kind of waving a magic wand right now.
1: It's been amazing to watch how they've kept things together. Ken and I were talking about this last night, uh, the standpoint of the team that has gone through a COVID disaster, and they basically predicted it, and he's been very outspoken about Their team, nowhere close to 85%. And I think the A's are right on the verge of being there and and seeing them in the dugout without masks, which is going to be encouraging. But they're not there. And it it was something they predicted was going to happen. There was going to be an outbreak, and there was. And now they're still playing good baseball. They're keeping it together. I mean, Jared Keldick's batting 118, and he's in the lineup every day. He clearly has some skills, and he has a chance to be an exciting player, but he has a lot to learn. But they're, they're running that stuff out there, and they're winning games. And, uh, you know, it's a good stretch for them. And I give Scott a lot of credit for, for at least for the moment, uh, keeping things uh, in a positive way inside that clubhouse because it could be really challenging when you've got, you know, issues on and off the field to try to win games.
0: Once the A's do get to 85%, does that mean you guys can get back out on the road? Well, our fingers are crossed. Yeah, I think
1: that would, that would be the hope. Uh, I still think we're looking toward the second half of the season. Uh, there are teams that are already traveling. Their radio teams, uh, the Tigers are doing this. The White Sox are doing this. Uh, We're hopeful that uh, that would be the case. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. That's what I think. That's what we would all like, uh, and we'll have to see if we can get there.
0: Well, just to get you off that dang monitor. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's 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 a tough
1: way to do the game. And you know, Ken and I both love being around the, the the batting cage. We both have great relationships with coaching staff, manager, and players, and we like. Getting behind the scenes stories. I think as a fan, you rely on us as the conduit to the clubhouse. You've got some things that are in your head. I wonder why such and such happened last night. And they know that they can count on us to get some of that information and and relay that in the next night's broadcast. I think that's what allows us to do the job in the way that in the manner that we do. And it gives us great pleasure to do it that way.
0: Yeah. Other sports, I think you can do off a monitor because you don't have a ball flying all over the place baseball from line to line pop fly uh, balls in the corner you i mean you're, you're relying on cameramen so uh, you guys have done a great job it it doesn't sound like you're not there it, it has always sounded like you're there so that's the most important
1: thing well we we appreciate you know just the, the, the tv shots that were given there are challenges that come with it but everybody for the most part for the past year has been in the same boat even all the way through the world series i mean dan Showman. Was doing the World Series from Connecticut while they were playing the games down in, in Arlington, Texas. So uh, we're not alone in this. Uh, we're hopeful that we're part of you know, moving forward and getting to the to the next step of uh, normalcy. And it would mean an awful lot just to be down there and ask a lot of stupid questions to the players, which is one of my strengths.
0: Uh, have a good call. We appreciate you stopping by. All right, Tony. Good talking to you. Vince Catronio right here on A's Cast Live. We're going to have Glenn Kuiper coming up here at 5 o'clock. Cody.
2: Oh, sorry. Um, I just, I still can't just get over how bad the Mariners' batting averages are, but yet they're a game over 500. And wasn't it this year? Was it this year where that article came out where everyone was talking about how, hey, the Mariners could win the division this year? And here they are, a game over. I don't think they're going to win the division. Um, Newsflash. Sorry. Sorry. Shots fired to our good friend Aaron Goldsmith, uh, the play by play man on TV and radio up there. But uh, they're building something up there in Seattle. They still need a lot of pitching. They got a lot of position players, but um, the A's have to figure this out against Seattle. I mean, I think I have it on the, the notes that I found in the game notes because I was going to go back and look, but I'm glad that uh, Mike Selick does it, d- did it for me in the game notes. But the A's against Seattle since 2013. 63-84 and is what the record is against Seattle dating back to 2013. That is really bad. Uh, and those are two years, 2013 and 2014, where the A's were really good. I remember Seattle had a couple good years in there. Then you know you've had, you've had four years now, if you include 2018 to now, where the A's have been good and the Mariners have been kind of down. So you got to you got to figure that out. You got to figure the Mariners out, figure out your division because you're not playing well against the AL West.
0: No, and it's shocking, but you know what? It's not it's not what the other teams are doing. It's just what the A's aren't doing. You know, when they got drilled in those first 3 games, I mean, they played really bad. And then now we had this stretch where hey, they're coming home. And they get to play the Mariners, they get to play the Angels, and they don't play a good home stand. Well, now you go back on the road, they've been good on the road, and you lose the first game in extra innings. It's just been uh it's it's been a roller coaster so far. It hasn't been a whole lot of consistency, and that's why you look up in the standings and to say you lead by a half game, you feel very fortunate. But a lot of that is that 13 game winning streak,
2: which you haven't been good. You haven't been good since you're 17 and 18 since that 13 game winning streak.
0: I mean, how long ago?
2: Oh God, it feels forever ago.
0: I mean, it just feels like you know, riding on just 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 riding on all this emotion and how great everything is, and you've won all these games straight, and look at the A's and man you look back it's like God, that was forever ago but that's why they're still in first place
2: yeah because remember remember when we finished our season series against the Rays and we're like ah, the Rays are okay they're kind of you know we'll see what they do the AL East is kind of you know the Red Sox are better and the Yankees are going to be better and the Jays uh the Rays have won 16 of 17 they're 35 and 20 and in are first place in the AL East uh, they're, they've like a plus 65 run differential in that, in the last 17 games. Uh, they have an ERA under three. And remember those two guys they got from the Brewers? And I was like, watch those two guys. They're going to be good. The, uh, one of the guys, uh, JP Fireson, has an ERA. He's allowed one earned run in the, since he's come over from Milwaukee. So, uh, whatever the Rays do, if they fleece you for relievers, they know what they're doing. And there was a, there was a, a piece in the athletic today. Um, Melissa Lockhart, who we're going to have on tomorrow to talk about the, uh, the minor leagues because it's going to be interesting because we can get her t- take on Skybolt coming up. Um, I was looking through it and there was a piece talking about how the A's should try to make a move to get Richard Rodriguez, the closer from the Pirates, who's been uh, lights out for them this year. He's been like the biggest trade piece for them. And their second baseman Adam Frazier, who could be a combo piece of the A's want to try to get him too. And he's actually be great for the A's. Bullpen. He's under team control and only makes like $1.5 million for the next two years. So that'd be great, a, a great, a uh, great piece to try to get, and you and the piece in the athletic has him giving up like Luis Barrera and like a, a lower minor league guy to kind of get uh, Rodriguez. So that'd be a great move to make I, if you I, can make I, it. I
0: would do that in a second.
2: That's what I mean. Like you, if you can make that move to get a, a closer, I know Rodriguez is thirty, but still he doesn't make any money.
0: It, it is win now. This is not. This is not building prospects for the future. If Barrera is just a contact guy, which I like that, but. I don't know how much you see him in the future, but if you're, t- I mean, you you need an arm now. I mean, last not not last night, yesterday showed you that. Yeah, you need you need you need an you know, and then think if Trevor Rosenthal comes back, now you start looking at you know having close to what you would call an elite bullpen. But right now you're missing that guy. You know, Deekman and Trevino. They they, they they can patchwork it, and they have to. I mean, that's the bottom line. When Rosenthal went down, I mean, who you know, if, if Rosenthal didn't go down, it would be, be a completely different story. And now you're pushing Jake and you're pushing Lou down, and now they're guys that are pitching in the seventh and eighth. And what, Lou has seven saves, so I'm not saying he can't do the job, but to have an established guy, boy, would that help this team.
2: Yeah, Rodriguez, is, he's 31 He's three and one with a one six one ERA in twenty one games. He has six saves, seventeen strikeouts in twenty two and a third. He's a free agent in twenty twenty four, and he's making uh, he's making one point seven million this year. So he has like two more years of salary arbitration. So he might get an increase in salary, but still, I mean, you're trying it, to win now. Yeah, you're not. The window, the window is open now. You've got to seize the moment. And then the other guy they mentioned was Adam Frazier, the Pirates second baseman. He leads the National League in hits. So uh, there's there's the guy that you can get. Who, a guy uh, that gets hits. Yeah, a guy a guy that makes contact. Frazier right now for the Pirates who are the worst team in the, the National League. Uh, Frazier right now is hitting three thirty two. He has 69 hits in 208 at bats, two homers, 18 RBI, three steals, 29, 28 runs scored, and he has a 140 OPS plus. If you can get, if you can bring, try to get those two guys, bring them in. Fra- bring
0: him. And let Jed DH. Yeah,
2: and you and Frazier was linked to the. A lot of people were trying to link Frazier to the Pirates last year or to the A's last year. So, and he's not a Frazier until 2023. He's making four million this year. So, those are guys. That was an interesting piece in the in the Athletic from uh, I think it was Rob Beer Temple who covers the Pirates, and Melissa and Alex Coffey who covers the A's. So, that was a, a piece I was looking at earlier that they were linking the, those two teams if they were trying to
0: make a trade. When do we have David Forrest on Friday?
2: Probably Friday. I'll text him tomorrow and try to figure out. I f- want the truth. Are you going to make a deal with the pirates? <laughs> uh, as his phone's buzzing in the background. Like like oh, no,
0: I'm not talking to the pirates. <laughs> z- z-
2: <laughs> and then we find out, like later on over the weekend, A's acquired. Yeah, a's, yeah,
0: the A's made a trade with the pirates.
2: Or it's like another team. He was, he was making it. He was talking to another team about someone else. And then, like it later, it comes out later that uh, later on this season they do make a move, a move with the pirates.
0: Well, they're gonna make a move. <laughs> I mean there is no doubt they'll make they'll make some type of move if not multiple moves to help out the bullpen. Now are they going to do anything for the offense? I don't know. Trevor Story? That, that's There's... the thing we just we just don't know what people want for these certain guys. I mean think if you wanted to now try and get Chris Bryant as Chris Bryant is back and just killing it.
2: And the Cubs are playing well. Yeah,
0: they're in first place.
2: I, I don't I I don't know what to think about them. Like they're supposed to be rebuilding. They they, they don't want to spend money, they want to tear it all they tear it all have, down. They
0: still, have, they still have talent.
2: Yeah, and but but they want to tear it all down. They don't they they want to rebuild, but they're in first place.
0: <laughs> Cubs just seem like a, they seem very dysfunctional. Uh well We've they got good players, but we don't like our players. These players won a World Series but they didn't win enough World Series. We need to move on, but we really can't move on. They just seem like they're they're all over the board. The Cubs are all over. But Baez hit what? Two home runs yesterday against the Padres?
2: Yeah. Bryant
0: Bryant's coming around. Bryant Bryant, Bryant keeps hitting like this. He's gonna put himself in the MVP talk.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pull up his numbers right now because he he is playing a lot better and he's he looks healthy.
0: Oh, dude, he's he's <sighs> killing it.
2: 30, uh 324 12 homers 36 RBI, uh a 1016 ops a 183 ops plus 36 runs scored in 185 at bats a, t- a 2.4 war uh, yeah he uh yeah he's um he's, he's, i think he's in the uh mVP discussion right now
0: right now go looking at the if it, like let's say the season ended now like it was like last year You know, 60 games and it's over. On the left side of the diamond, you've got quite a few guys that are playing well that are going to be free agents. But are they going into free agency at, like, the worst time a free agent in recent memory could be a free agent? Now, we thought with the pandemic that was the case. But now you're still going to have the ramifications of the pandemic And now you're going to have a full-on fight between the owners and the players to get a new CBA. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that's going to affect guys who are going to be free agents, but you've got a lot of good guys that play the shortstop or third base that are going to be free agents. And they're going to be looking to cash out like Marcus Simeon, who's having a terrific year. I was just looking at war F war. He's a, Uh,
2: Cassianos is, if you're going by position players, Cassianos is at 2.8. Muncie's 2.8. Bryant's 2.7. Marcus Simeon is at 2.7. So there you go. Marcus Simeon's a top five war guy right now. So I, I didn't mean to, I was just looking at war as you're mentioning Simeon. He's having an outstanding year playing second base for the Blue Jays.
0: Well, what, what, what I would cast myself as with Marcus Simeon heading into free agency next year. I can play short, I can play second, and I can play third. That's how I, whoever his agent is, that's how I would bill myself. Pay me a lot of money because I can play, heck, I can go to the outfield. What you're paying me for is my bat. You know, he's like super utility guy that's going to start every day, but he's just going to be maybe at a different position. Sometimes he plays a few days at short or second or third. But what you're paying me to is the lead off and you're paying me to swing it. And I'm not going to hurt you defensively. That player is very, very valuable. And, you know, because obviously Simeon went at a free agent saying I'm a shortstop. Well, now that he's cool with playing second base. That's exactly how I would pitch myself when free agency comes. You're paying for the bat and the versatility. Now pay me four years, whatever. But Marcus, if he keeps going like this, Marcus is going to get paid.
2: Yeah, I mean, here's his numbers real quick. Uh, According to baseball reference, his B-War 2.9, 13 homers, 297 average, 32 RBI, eight eight steals, uh, a three sixty five on base, uh, 915 OPS, 152 OPS plus pretty good year for Marcus Simeon at the age of
0: an all-around offensive player 30 years old all right coming up next glenn kuiper will join us right here on a's cast live
2: hi this is shamanaya
3: has no hit the red
2: sox and you're listening to a's cast your 24 7 destination for a's baseball
0: talk about panic mode when you're doing a show through your computer let me guess. Now he says it starts giving you the warning signs. <laughs> battery's done. Battery's done. I saw- I'm literally just it's about oh God. Now I'm spilling stuff. Oh, there we go.
2: I saw you get up and run away and I was like, uh that definitely means his computer's dying.
0: <laughs> yeah. it Starts giving you the, the beeping, you know.
2: Uh okay, let's let's call it good old G Kype.
0: He's right next to Vinny.
2: Yeah, it's I forgot I can only forgot about that after I when we had Vince on. I'm like, oh, yeah, G. Kuiper's right next to him.
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Buffalo Chicken Wrap, Chicken Caesar Wrap?
2: Well, it's the one that I don't like. Uh, the uh,
0: the one with the olives. Yeah. Hello, Glenn Kuiper.
3: Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing fine. Doing fine. Just uh, writing my lineup in and uh, getting ready to roll.
0: Okay, we're going to take two guesses. My guess is uh, uh, Caesar Chicken Wrap. What is your guess, Cody? It's going to be
2: the sandwich with like olives. I forget what it's called. Um, It's like some deli sandwich. I can't remember the name
3: of it. How about neither cuz i ate late at home before i came to the studio is that a lame answer
0: oh that's right you're in the studio oh i i oh, thought you're yeah. in park oh
3: okay well yeah the, i i know what sandwiches you're talking about yes, <laughs> yeah some are better so, so, some some are clearly better than others
0: i i mean the favorite is always going to be the buffalo chicken wrap that's always going to be the buffalo favorite chicken,
3: yeah the buffalo chicken wrap is pretty good. It, it's got a little zing to it. It sort of stays with you for the evening. <laughs> um, but some of the sandwiches, you know, the chips are the best part of the uh, the meal, which is not always a great sign. But that's all right. I miss the lunchroom, though. Man, do I miss the lunchroom. I know. Just,
0: you know, getting together every night, having dinner yeah. together before the ball game was always a lot that's of it. fun.
3: You know, it's amazing what,
0: what what we take for granted in life.
3: I know. I know. I do. But it, it was a nice. The lunchroom was always kind of a nice, um, you know, just a nice way to relax a little bit for 45 minutes before the game and, uh, you know, laugh a little bit and relax a little bit. And uh, I miss that. I, I hope we get to do it again. I don't know if we will, maybe next year. I don't know about this year, but um, oh, well, what can you do?
0: So h- how is it doing it from
3: a studio? um getting used to it you know still not great um it's never going to be great um it's not easy to do although you know that's just you know that's the reality of it right now so i'm fine with that but there's a few challenges um you know you miss the atmosphere because that can really carry you whether it be you know at the coliseum or or on a in a road ballpark either way it you know the atmosphere in the crowd kind of carries you a little bit because you're right there so you miss that um and there's certain parts of the game that you just don't see um you know we have a couple monitors that help us and um but you know you just you, you don't you don't have any feel for the ballpark at all obviously and and that that limits the things you can talk about um but you know Hey, if if this is what we have to do to play 162 games or televise 162 games, that's fine. You know, I'm I'm fine with that. So, make the best of it.
0: You know, going into tonight's action, uh, the A's are just not hitting. And they're such a streaky team. It's, you know, it's either streaky really good or streaky really bad. And I don't know if any of us know how to, like, suggest what to do to get out of that
3: yeah you know it's tough. We talk a lot about it, you know Ray and I and, and Dallas, you know we all kick it around. you know what's what do we like about the team? What are some of the areas that are not as good as we had hoped? And you know offensively, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know there I mean' I'm, I, I'm looking at the, the team stat you know they're hitting 226 as a team, which isn't great. Um, numbers are down batting average wise across baseball, but even that is is pretty low. You know, they're eighth in the league in runs scored, so they're sort of in the middle there. Home runs, they you know, they're third in the league. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, you look back to even last year, Tony, even though it was a 60-game season, they were sort of in the middle of the pack in runs scored last year too. So they're going to hit home runs. They just need to – I think they just need to get more base runners. You know, they need to get more guys on base. Um, easy to say. Um, and, and I think what we also talk a lot about is where can the improvements come from? You know, Chapman's really struggling. Uh, you know, there's room for improvement there a lot. You know, Piscotty is struggling, but he's not playing every day. So it's hard to get going if you're not playing every day. Um, you know, Elvis Andrus has is, is not been great offensively. Uh, is is the, How much more is there there with Elvis Andrus? You know, so you sort of look at where is where are the improvements going to come from? Um, And there's a couple guys that, you know, need to get rolling. But are the A's going to vault into being, you know, the top run scoring team in the American League? I don't think that's going to happen, but I I think they they can be a little bit better. And I think they need to be a little bit better um, as, as this season goes on. Yeah,
0: and I think of Matt Chapman and it's just, you know, 70 strikeouts in 56 games. It's, you know, I mean, the struggles last year and then the injury and thinking that this year was going to be a different year, but it's just it has been a struggle and it's just it, it's been hard to watch. I, you know, I, I don't know what they do. I mean, I mean, it's just a, a lot of non-contact from him.
3: Yeah, you know, he just looks he looks and and this is like as confident as a of a young player as you'll see. Um, so I don't know how much of his confidence is shaken, but he just looks, he looks in the middle, you know, he's, he takes fastballs for strikes. Uh, you know, he'll chase out of the zone on breaking balls. And and you also see him missing some fastballs that I think generally he usually hits, you know, so I'm not. You know, I'm not Darren Bush. I don't know how much he's pulling off or this or that. You know, mechanically, I, I I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but the strikeouts are alarming, Tony. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a guy who has three fewer strikeouts than Joey Gallo, and we know what Joey Gallo is all about, right? It's a it's a it's a walk. It's a home run or it's a strikeout. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think there is some concern with Matt Chapman, and, and he knows that. And, you know, he's going to have to really, really grind through it because this is not a two-week thing now. I mean, this is going on, you know, we're two months into the season, and, and it's really been a struggle for him.
0: You know, we're a day after Memorial Day, and it's definitely the, the third of the season is gone. What 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 do we know about the American League West so far?
3: yeah that's a good question i I, you know i think i think it's still very much a two-team race um you know i like some of seattle's young players you know and they're playing well right now i don't know that 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 you know they're going to be hanging around in august and september I, i don't think that they will the angels can't seem to get out of get out of their way and texas is texas and so this is a two-team race. Um, you know, we've seen the Astros enough to know their offense is really, really good. Um, you know, their starting pitching is decent. The bullpen probably needs some help. Um, so I just think it's, you know, it's, it's clearly the two best teams, A's and Astros, that's not really up for discussion. And now it's a matter of, you know, does somebody get hot? Does somebody make a trade? Uh, you know who who kicks it into gear between these two teams when we get to the second half of the season Uh, but in seeing the Astros that that's sort of my take on them they they, that's a really really good lineup it's balanced it's deep Um, you know young starters are they ready to get to 180 190 innings that remains to be seen and I think they need help in the bullpen
0: you know, I, 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 if you look at the players on Seattle and you look at their statistics, you just go, "How is this happening?"
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, yeah. You're right. I mean, they their numbers are not really anything special at all. Whether it be you know pitching or they're not scoring runs, you know, their batting average is the lowest in the American League. So they they they're really not doing anything statistically that jumps out at you. And we're also seeing them right now where they're playing well right now I mean, you know they've, they've won five in a row and you know they're two and a half back I, I do like their young players um, but I, I just I don't know that that it's a Mariners team that's ready to compete uh, for the length of a, a full season with the A's and the Astros but I do think the future could be pretty good in Seattle because I I, I, I like their young outfielders Lewis got put on the injured list today so he's going to be out for a while but but they are headed in the right direction in Seattle I just don't know that they're that they have what it takes to hang around this year
0: now of course sleeping in your own bed being at home with the family is a great thing but if you could say one thing that you miss about being on the road what would that be um
3: boy that's a good question um I don't know. I mean, I I, I think I would probably say I miss being at the ballparks uh, because all the ballparks are great. It's fun being there uh, and, 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 you know, you're doing the game. So I, I would say that's what I miss, actually being at the different ballparks, doing the games. I don't miss the hotels. I don't, you know, I don't really miss flying around. I do not miss riding on buses everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, I don't really like, you know, walking around all day by myself. I miss my family, but I do miss being at, at, at the other teams ballparks because that is fun. Great crowds. You know, you see lots of people that you work with every year and you have fun with them. And so that's probably the part that I miss the most.
0: And, and that's something that I've been saying on the A's clubhouse show, because obviously I'm having to talk about ballpark issues and it's old, but I gotta talk about it. And I try and tell everybody I said, listen, when we travel around, or when I was traveling around with the Raiders, everywhere you go, everybody has something brand new. The only people that don't have something brand new, it's because they have these historic stadiums like Fenway and Wrigley and Dodger Stadium. Everybody else basically has, whether it's a football stadium, a basketball arena, so when you travel around, you realize, man, everybody has something that we don't have.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, you know, I feel for you, Tony, because you do have to talk about this and it's a hard subject to talk about. It's hard for you. It's hard for me. I didn't grow up here. You know, you grew up in Southern California, you know, so I, I try really hard to, to understand and, and take the people that that. Lived here their whole life and grew up going to the Coliseum. Take their feelings into account when I think about this whole situation. Um, but you know, the A's does the A's and the fans. The, the fans deserve something new. Um, you know, as great as the Coliseum is, you know, you oh, it's great. You know, look at all the history. Hey, there's tons of history in there. I mean, come on, it's full of history. But that's not enough to not need and want a new ballpark, right? I mean, it's just at some point it's time and it is clearly, clearly time uh, to, to move on from the Coliseum. It's just the reality of it. We see it every day and you're right. You go to other ballparks and you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. I want our fans to experience this. Um, So it's, it's a really tough situation. And, you know, I, I, I'm not always comfortable talking about it because I want a new ballpark. I let's go. But I understand that there's a lot of hurdles, there's a lot of politics involved, there's a lot of emotion involved and you know, then when you get to the real real serious stuff, you know, major league baseball's involved, heavily involved. Um so there's just so much going on. It's it's a tough conversation really to have with with anybody. Because there's also things going on, Tony, that maybe we don't know about, you know. So let's hope it gets done. we got our fingers crossed. Uh, but it's not going to be easy, and, and it's it's probably a little ways away yet.
0: Well, I mean, going back to your home, and we did the tour of Lambeau Field, Lambeau Field's been redone like four times.
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. If if if, you know, if you can do that, great. Um but that's not happening at the Coliseum. We're, you know, we're not redoing the Coliseum. Um but I just think fans, especially baseball fans because there's so many games and they have opportunities to go to so many games, uh it just feels like you really you really want your group to you know to, to be able to enjoy Nice amenities, and as great as it is sitting in a ballpark that you've always sat in, and it's the same seat, and it's the same view, and it's the same people around you, and oh, I love that vibe. I get it. I do. I really get it. But there's a lot more to it than that, I think. And uh, you know, I hope I hope A's fans kind of understand that.
0: Every sports fan should at least once in their life experience game day for the Green Bay Packers.
3: Absolutely, and I, I know I'm biased. I grew up there. I've been a Packer fan since I was one day old. You don't you don't grow up there, born there, grow up there, and live there without being a Packer fan. It's just it's sort of against the the law. Um, you <laughs> kind of you gotta sign a paper when you come out of the womb. You know, like yeah, I'm a I, and I am a Packer owner, by the way. Just so you know, you are talking to ownership here, so. Oh, have um, you have, I, I, I saw Absolutely. the pictures i saw the pictures Absolutely.
0: have you ever gone back to one of the meetings
3: no i have not i have oh. not they run the meetings without me even though i am again ownership <laughs> but yes i have the certificate so i am a, i'm an owner of the franchise um but yes as much as you know maybe pack people who are not packer fans i get it but you should go one time because it's pretty awesome and i know town you were there and I would imagine you probably ran the show and you probably had a pretty good time.
0: Uh, and not 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 only, and it was also Wisconsin was playing at home. And so on Saturday, it was all about the University of Wisconsin all around Green Bay. It was a great time. By the way, before, yeah. before we let you leave, when they call you about what they're going to do with Aaron Rodgers, do you say keep him or trade him?
3: Oh, it's just torture. It, it really is. I, I, no, I mean, I... I do not want them to trade him. I really don't.
0: Well, you're an owner. Um,
3: But I'm an owner, yeah. So I I think they're going to wait this out right to the last minute. Um, And I try to look at the positive. You don't want to trade him. But if you have to, I, I mean, if you could get a good quarterback back and a huge package for him, you could sort of set up your organization in a pretty good spot for the future. Right with you know a bunch of draft picks and you're going to get a couple other players. So is that what you want to do? And is that worth giving up Rogers? That's a really really tough call. Ultimately, no, I do not want to see him go. But he is he's pretty stubborn, and if he has something in his head, I think it may be hard to change his mind. You know, so I don't know. I think it's going to be a weird weird two months in Packer Land.
0: Hey, before we let you go, I, I just want to say I really, really do appreciate what you guys are doing for A's cast and A's cast live on NBC Sports California. You, Ray, Dallaire, Dallas. Cody, get on here and say thank you, too, because you guys are giving us the, the, the best promotion that we've gotten from anybody. And, uh, Cody, as you know, we we can't thank you guys enough for what you're doing for us.
3: Yeah, Glenn, I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely absolutely i mean that's hey you know what you guys and I, and I mean this in all sincerity we are all on the same team we're all in this together radio tv covering the ace promoting our team promoting our players you know th- this is, this is what it's all about and we are all in it together and we'll do absolutely everything to help you guys and you guys would do the same for us so AceCast is terrific. Um, we just want as many people to to, to get it and listen to it, um, because it's worth listening to. You know, you have people want you want wall-to-wall A's coverage. Well, then you got one place to go, and anything we can do to help, we absolutely will. Have a good call tonight, buddy. And we'll see you soon. All right. You know what? I need a W bad tonight. I don't know how you guys <laughs> feel, but I kind of need one
0: i need a w so i don't have to talk about ballpark tonight
3: <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair that's fair that's worth a w right there all right see you guys have a good one
0: Zia, the great glenn kuiper so since ken korak and vince Catronio are the voices of the team would he and ray be the faces of the team
2: i think that's a fair assessment i would say i would say that's a, a good way to put it um Plus, we're looking at we're still Bob Melvin sitting on that elusive one win away from becoming the all-time winningest manager in Oakland A's history, and he's just you know how great would it be for him to win in Seattle? Um, you know, he managed there, or does I, he doesn't want to wait? Does he want to really want to wait till we till we play Arizona next week to get it against the Diamondbacks? That's a long uh, way from now.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I, I I'm pretty sure we could say no on that one. Yeah, get, he get went, yeah
2: get get it, get it, get it against Seattle and then you got you got the Rockies in Colorado this weekend. So uh, that'll be a ser- no no Trevor Story this weekend. He goes put on the injured list. So you don't have to worry about seeing Trevor Story this weekend. You remember he's been linked to the A's how many times already? Well, there has been a few times, but he's on the 10-day injured list. So that's one guy the A's won't have to worry about seeing this weekend.
0: I don't know what any of these guys are really going to be worth from a standpoint of giving up a lot. Just the way the game is now and the way everybody from a front office standpoint basically thinks the same. You have general managers who are just, they're going to refuse to give up top prospects for a rental player. It just doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. So, if you're sitting on someone like Story and you're sitting on someone like Brian and you're sitting on Baez, or you're sitting on whoever, and you as an organization, you don't think you can re sign the player, so you want to trade them. But the way these franchises think now, they're like, I'm not going to give up huge prospects for him because I value my prospects and I can get the guy anyway at the end of the season in free agency. So, it's like, you know. What really is someone going to give up for Trevor's story?
2: And it's a, it's an interesting situation for for Colorado too because remember their GM, uh, um, the, uh, how can I put this? Uh, mutually parted ways with their their GM after the uh, Nolan Arenado trade didn't really w- uh, work out in their favor, and now they have an interim GM or I don't know what his if they he's I think he's the interim GM now. Say they don't trade him. And say he stays there throughout the season, and then he just walks. What are you doing? You're going to let him just walk and get nothing for him? That just – I don't understand how you can let that happen. I mean, that just, that just shows how bad, of an, how bad of a poorly run organization you would be if you let your next best player just walk away after you got nothing, essentially, what people are saying right now, you got nothing for Nolan, Nolan Arenado, and then you're going to let Trevor Story just walk away at the end of the season because you did not want to trade him? That's just a bad, bad, bad look to your fan base that, that already has a poor look and you already have a poor look in their eyes for what happened with Arnato that's just, that's just even worse uh, if that happens at the end of the season.
0: Well, and if I'm an opposing GM, I know they're in that bind. And so when he's asking for top prospects, I'm like, ain't happening. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to move a guy like that in today's baseball, it's uh it's not a good situation. It really is. I mean, I I can't imagine it's it's a desperate situation. Cuz everybody knows you got to move them. And you don't want to give up you you you're, why would you give up a, a top prospect? I wouldn't do it. Well, yeah, like
2: it all goes back to the remember when the Dodgers traded for Manny Machado? Yeah. They didn't give up any of their top prospects. And now those guys are even playing for the, the Orioles. The top. A
0: re- He was a rental player. Yeah, and yeah. the Dodgers weren't gonna resign him because Seeger was coming back from Tommy John surgery.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the guys they gave up, none of those guys are really been doing it. The, the, the biggest guy they got they gave up was like uh was uh Diaz, I believe. He was an outfielder. And I don't even think he's even debuted yet for the Orioles. And it's been years. None of those guys have even done anything for the Orioles.
0: Well, here's the deal. Because they're just trading guys.
2: Exactly. You're
0: trading guys. And you know what? I'm going to put a group of guys together, just guys. And I'm going to, so when you say, Hey, look, I got six guys for Manny Machado, or I don't, I don't remember how many they got, but when you say I got six guys, you know, that's how they're selling it. Look how many players we got for Manny Machado. Yeah. Well, the odds are maybe one makes the big leagues because you're not getting top players. By the way, should we go to Scott Miller now so we can do some buying or selling?
2: Yeah, that's fine, because Miller's like 17 minutes long.
0: All right, here's my conversation with national baseball columnist Scott Miller. Well, it's been a while. How is life treating you? Hey,
4: Chris, real good. Uh, You know, it's it's been an interesting two months of the baseball season, and, uh, you know, I'm thrilled that ballparks, especially here in California, are starting to open up, and I know... You know, we have the state reopening June 15th. So after, you know, it's been a really, really difficult year on everybody. Um, you know, boy, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of optimism, have the vaccines available, have a little bit of optimism that uh, we, we're starting to move back toward normal. And uh, I, you can you know, good riddance to all those cardboard fans we were talking about a year ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, just, you know, recently the A's playing the Angels and hearing that, they're going to be full bore on June 17th. We're, we're going to open up here on June 29th and just to have full capacity again, I think is going to mean a lot for the state of California.
4: Oh, big time. And I know, you know, there's certain, you know, it's kind of fun watching even across the country. I mean, I know Texas, of course, they're, they're kind of like their own country anyway. You know, they, they went full capacity opening day, you know, the Rangers did and, Houston I think is there too but it's kind of fun watching across the country I know uh, in Fenway Park the other day like Boston just reopened uh, uh, you know and, and Fenway Park just over the weekend they went full capacity uh you know it's watching across the country city to city watching various teams increase from whatever it is 25 percent capacity to capacity on this date. And then, okay, this date we're going to be at 100%. It's, again, that just, that, that, you know, brings a smile and it fuels the optimism that, uh, you know, both locally and nationally that, you know, boy, hopefully we're, we're, we're on our way and we're through the worst of it. Uh, You know, we'll be back to normal soon.
0: And Memorial Day is such a special date on the calendar for Major League Baseball because it's worked so close with our armed forces for so many years And, and remembering those people who have sacrificed their lives for our freedom and the people who continue to serve to this day. And I know being down in San Diego, their connection with the military, this has always been a special day for our game, no question.
4: Yeah, it has. It's, uh, it's a combination. I think you're right. Number one, the military connection and what it means. And, and, you know, I mean, baseball has always been, you know, tied into a degree with the military, just going back, you know, since baseball is 150 years old and, and, and and older, but you know, you go back to even like world war two, you know, after Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, when when then Commissioner Judge Landis, you know, talked to pre- then President FDR and the next spring and offered said, basically, we need some direction. You know, the country's at war. Are we going to just you know, we'll, we'll just shut down the sport if, if it's for the good of the country, because, you know, I remember back then baseball was sending, you know, p- p- young people off to war. Uh, several baseball players left the sport to go fight along with, you know, regular civilians and baseball was ready to shut down. And FDR in the famous green light letter, which is at the baseball hall of fame, by the way, uh, the actual original letter, uh, FDR sent a note back to judge Landis and said, no, for the good of the country, we need baseball this year. He said in the explanation basically was people are, are more anxious during wartime, they're anxious. Uh, they're working longer hours than ever before. Uh, everything is grim, basically. And what we need at the end of these days, people need a reason. They need a little bit of entertainment. They need a reason to smile. And that's why baseball needs to continue. And that was back in World War II days. But, you know, on and on. I mean, whether you're talking the Korea War, of Vietnam, and I'm not. You know whether you agree or disagree, whatever. I, I don't care. If you're Democrat, Republican, whatever. I'm not arguing these wars are good or bad, but I'm saying when troops have been overseas fighting, you know it's been a tie back home, baseball uh, through the years, and so that's always been special. And then you add in Memorial Day weekend is really, you know, it's the unofficial beginning of summer, and baseball, of course, is is our summer game. And this is kind of when I think even people that maybe the casual fans that don't pay as much attention early in the year, maybe they're distracted by the NBA or whatever. I think even the casual fans, because everybody's ready for summer by now, I think by Memorial Day, everybody starts to tune in and focus on the game. Yeah,
0: some of the biggest names our sport has ever seen have le- left baseball to fight for our country. When you think about Ted Williams and Bob Feller and and some of these guys, it's pretty amazing what those guys gave up and what they sacrificed in their careers.
4: Yeah. I mean, you know, all those, you, you mentioned a couple of hall of famers and you know, you look at their career statistics and they're, they're already so good, but then you stop to realize those in, you know, those two, you just mentioned Ted Williams and Bob Feller. You know, they, they, there's a gap on their statistical line, on their resume, that there's a one or two year gap where they didn't even play because they were off. And then you wonder, well, geez, if, if their career's now been interrupted, you know, what could their statistics even look like had they kept playing? And they, because they're already pretty good, even given, uh, they're already Hall of Fame good, given the gaps in the careers from when they went off to fight. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 just, it, it, as you said, it's always been a special weekend and, uh, you know, for many, many reasons.
0: And it's also been a point where you step back and check out your ball club and go, okay, where are we at Memorial Day? And I got to think for the A's, even though we're not happy about this three and four homestand, but still in first place by a game and a half. How do you see Oakland so far?
4: Yeah, you know, real good and you're right. That's the other thing is Memorial Day weekend. really, it's kind of the first uh, the first check mark or, or you, first checkpoint during the season uh, where you kind of look begin to look at the standings a little bit seriously. I mean, everybody's played give or take 50, 53 games right now, which is getting close to a third of the season. And um, you know, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I know I, I talked to, you know, way back in the day before he even retired, the Hall of Famer Paul Molitor, toward the end of his career. You know, one, day, you know, way back, he was with the Twins. I'm covering the Twins, and you know, we were talking about sometime in May about that particular Twins team and what he thought. And you know, I always remember him saying, you know, I, he said his philosophy was always. You, know, you need to wait till about it takes about 40 or 50 games into a season for a team to really begin to develop its personality. you know winning, losing, what's the clubhouse like, what's the chemistry like? And, and I always took that to heart, you know that, that it's really I, I do believe that it takes 40 or 50 games before you really begin to judge. And you know kind of in a similar vein, I know Billy Bean uh, has always said, uh, the first two months of the season are to basically evaluate your club. And then the next two months are to try to improve your club after the evaluation time to figure out what you need if you can win. If you try to improve, figure out what you need. Maybe you go get those guys. And then, so the last two months of the season, not much you can do. You just sit and watch the team play and hope for the best. And yeah, you know, so we're through. We're just about through that first two months now, where you, you evaluate, and now you move on to, uh, you know, how can we make things better? And and certainly, uh, you know, the A's who lo- had some key losses, which seems like we say that every summer or every winter. Um, you know, I thought Marcus Semien would, would be a big loss, and I thought, boy, that's one that's really going to hurt them. And it, what's funny is I see in, over in Toronto. You know, Semyon's moved to second base, you know, to make room. Obviously, Bo Bichette's at shortstop. And they're talking about the importance of Semyon and how, how he's helping bring Bichette along. And he's become a leader with the Blue Jays. And I, I know anybody familiar with the A's wouldn't be surprised uh, because he's that kind of guy. But the point is, I find it interesting that in Toronto, they're appreciating Semyon's leadership. You would think conversely in Oakland they would be missing his leadership, yet all of the moves the A's have made and also no small part, Bob Melvin, who I think remains as good a manager as there is today and totally underrated on a national basis. For all those reasons, the A's they haven't missed Semyon or Chris Davis or whoever else they traded. And, you know, I mean, you gotta like where they are right now.
0: You know, talking about the the next two months going forward, as we start thinking about the trading deadline, there's some teams with some players, and they're underperforming. You know, you think about Max Scherzer with the Nationals, and they're just 21 and 28. You think of all the talent on the Twins; they're 21 and 31. They're 11 games back. There yep. could some big names out there, Scott, that are going to be ready to be dealt.
4: Yeah, there are, and uh, you know. Uh, you know, in, in Oakland in the past is they've not been shy about trading. You know, it's a little bit reminiscent. Was it year twenty fourteen? I think when they traded for John Lester, right from Boston, and Lester came in and he was going to be a free agent, uh, and he ended up signing with the Cubs. But the point is, uh, there's history there in Oakland. There's precedent for going out and getting a hired gun at the deadline, even if you're not going to re-sign him as a free agent. And yeah, Scherzer would be really interesting, uh, I think. And, and, and the Nationals are going to have to make some decisions here pretty quick.
0: Yeah, it's hard to believe Max Scherzer could be. But, you know, that's one thing Oakland has always lacked, Scott, is that superior ace going into the postseason.
4: Right. And, and again, that's why it, – it's just why it, – it, part of what keeps the game so fascinating because it's so unpredictable – you know, I mentioned the Lester acquisition, and, and to your point, Chris, about that's what Oakland's always lacked, a big-time ace going into the postseason. And I think back to the Lester, because I was all on board. I remember at the time writing exactly what you said.
3: The A's
4: have lacked that playoff-tested ace that can carry them through October. I love the John Lester trade. This is going to do it. And then what happened? They, the Cespedes was in that deal, and Lester didn't do what we thought he could do. The lineup turned out to really miss Cespedes, and the players weren't happy internally when Cespedes was dealt. They felt like you know it was such an important part of the team, and and that's what I mean. You think back, that to me should have been a no-brainer trade. It was like I was all in. And I thought this is really going to, this is exactly what the A's need. It turned out it wasn't. But to your point, yes, they they traditionally haven't had that ace level pitcher. I thought Lester would be that guy way back when. He wasn't. Maybe Scherzer would be this year or somebody else. Um, But again, where I say is what keeps the game fascinating because on paper, it might look this way. And then a move is made, and you think absolutely that that's that's the lock, and it isn't. Or conversely, there might be a move made, and you're like, "eh, I'm not, I don't know about that." And then that turns out to be the move that seals the deal in October. So, you know, it's going to be the, the best thing you could say. I think mean, in 162 game season, it's, it goes kind of goes back to that cliche about. Yeah. You know, you want your team to play meaningful games in the stretch run. You want to play meaningful games, you know, late August and through the month of September. And the A's have been really good. and that's what keeps it interesting. That's what keeps the fans going back for more. You know, what might happen this year? Hey, this is year we can do it. This is year, hey, it's September fifteenth. Can't wait for tonight's game. It's important. And the A's have done a great job over the years of playing meaningful games down the stretch. And I, the, the one thing I can say, almost with a guarantee, barring some crazy collapse, which I don't see, is that however this year plays out for the A's, as you said, they're in first place right now, as we said. They haven't had the greatest past week, but 31 and 24, a lot of good signs. I think the trade deadline is going to be fascinating in Oakland. See what they, what they uh, add. And I think they're going to be playing meaningful games down the stretch. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Let's end on this. Cause I know you're still around the Padres. Yep. Uh, wow. The national league West is, uh, you want to talk about wild, uh, the Padres, the giants are shocking people. Dodgers are still there, but people thought they'd run away with the division. Uh, just talk about that three headed monster and what this race has been like so far.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'm like, most people i did not see this coming from san francisco and the fact that uh, you know the giants are right there 13 games over 500 again going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation chris about memorial day weekend and and two months into the season 50 some games now is when a team pretty much has developed its personality and i think you hit memorial day weekend you look at the Giants, 13 over 500, you get to a point where it's like, we're at the point of the year now where you say, these guys are for real. You, you know, they're not, this isn't just some crazy, fluky, early season hot streak, but they can play and good for the Giants. They're, they've certainly barged into that conversation that, you know, began last winter that, man, this can be a, the, the Padres and Dodgers are going to have a great race this year. Well, I'll add the Giants to that list. And, uh, It it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I thought, what a weekend in the West uh, this past weekend that, well, holiday today, we're kind of still in it, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Giants a week ago, as you all know, the Dodgers came to San Francisco and swept them. I, like I'm sure many, thought, okay, this is where things begin to go a little bit south for the Giants. But you know, what happened, they, they, they go down to L.A. And, and they take three out of four in Dodger Stadium. And, and, you know, there's no question they got the Dodgers' attention with that. You know, meanwhile, San Diego's in Houston, and that Saturday game was crazy. The Padres should have lost. They're down three runs with two outs in the ninth inning. And Fernando Tatis Jr. pops a foul ball down the first baseline that should have been caught for the third out. And the Astros' first baseman uh, muffed it. And the next pitch, Tatis jacks for a three-run homer, game-tying two, two outs, ninth-inning homer. And the Padres, after trailing Houston 5-0 and 8-5, come back and win 11-8. So, I mean, there's no question the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants, all three have something special going right now. It's funny, the Dodgers of the team is sucking air a little bit, not only after the Giants whacked them around this weekend, but, uh, you know, Corey Seager has the broken hand. He's out for a couple months and Mookie Betts is banged up. He didn't play a couple games over the weekend and uh, Cody Bellinger just came back. So there's a long way to go. And the Dodgers are going to have a big time battle on their hands as they try to win their ninth consecutive NOS title.
0: Well, it's great to hear your voice. Hopefully we'll all be traveling soon and we can see you, but uh, be well, be safe, enjoy Memorial day. And let's
4: talk soon. Sounds great, Chris. You, you too. Enjoy the games today, and, and we'll, be, we'll talk soon, and uh, all the best.
0: Scott Miller, one of the best columnists that we have in Major League Baseball. All righty, Commander, buying or selling? It's time for Buying, buying or Selling. Sell, sell. Right now
1: with Chris Townsend on, on
0: Ace Cast, Cast Live. Live.
2: Well, hey matt kawahara just posted it on twitter it's everyone's favorite videos to see cole irvin getting some swings in because the a's are heading to colorado to to get some uh get some swings in for the pitchers because they're gonna be hitting because uh of no uh dh this weekend and jack flaherty the cardinals uh top pitcher has got placed on the il because of i think because of him swinging a bat so but we don't need the universal dh because jacob Degrom's hitting 454 but we'll get to that in a minute but So uh, Scott Miller was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr., so it's a perfect transition. Uh, What a season it's been for for, uh, Nando and the Padres so far. He enters Tuesday while he was tied atop the NL leaderboard. He has 16 home runs. That's tied with Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves. Now remember, Tatis missed time with a shoulder problem, and he was placed on the COVID list as well. Well, he also has committed 14 errors this season as well. That is the most in the National League, as I sent that to you earlier this morning. So I went and did some digging. The last player to lead the National League in home runs and errors, do you know who it is?
0: Lead the National League in home runs and errors. It's got to be an infielder.
2: That's correct. It's been the last 10 years. No idea be Pedro Alvarez of the Pirates in 2013. He had 36 homers, but he also committed 27 errors. He was tied for the lead in uh, home runs with Paul Goldschmidt. They beat at 36. Chris Davis of the Orioles had 53 home runs. That's a, now, that's a lead company of Nando can lead the league in both home runs and errors. Buying or selling Fernando Tatis Jr. will lead the National League in both home runs and errors in 2021.
0: I'll buy that. He's an air machine. And he's hitting a lot of dingers but he's an air machine i mean he uh there is talk there's no way he's gonna be playing shortstop long term
2: uh i don't know you sent it to me earlier and i read the article it was the article about uh the part about francisco lindor which we can get to another another point but there's a partner about how jeff Passen said he was writing about how nando could be a 50 50 guy yeah and i thought that was interesting uh uh maybe the guy can't stay healthy, though. But he's in a lot of home runs, but he doesn't stay healthy. But if he can stay healthy for a full season, I, I, why not? Why can't he be the first guy to be a 50-50 guy?
0: Uh, we got to get into this Lindor. I mean, uh, Lindor cool. is historically – there's been 31 guys that have signed a – what was it, a $150-plus and fifty-plus contract? Yeah. Yeah. He literally is the worst. He's gotten off through the worst start out of anybody.
2: Yeah. I have the numbers right here. I mean, we, 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 we'll save it. We'll save it for tomorrow because I want to get into it too because I think it – because I was reading that article earlier. It's just – he's been so bad. And we, we were watching that thing on MLB Network earlier with Cliff Floyd and and uh, Dave Valley, who I've been trying to get on our show. And, of course, when I tried to get him on because we're playing the Mariners, he's doing MLB Network. So that's why I, <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't heard back from him. And they did a shortstop draft. And, like, one of – I think it was Cliff Floyd's second pick – He took Lindor, and he's like, "I think the bat's going to come around." I think I don't think you can really evaluate this season.
0: Baseball card.
2: Yeah, essentially, he's saying the back of the baseball. No, I'm sorry, Cliff, you can't. He's hitting 191 coming into into today. You gave him 341 million dollars. He's hitting 191.
0: Take out the bubble gum and look at the at the back of the baseball card. That's that's top ten bad cliches too.
2: Yeah, I I just, I mean, I want to see. He's a great defender. He's a great teammate. He has one of the best smiles in baseball, if you're looking at that. But the guy just – he's not hitting right now. And the Mets need him to hit. They're playing really well with all these injuries. Now, Pete Alonzo's back. And, again, Jacob DeGrom's hitting 4.54 as a pitcher. Again, we'll get to him in a minute. Now, uh, the other team in New York, they're tied right now at the, the division-leading Rays. But uh, over the weekend, it was a very eventful for the Yankees. They got swept by the Tigers. Then they started the series with the Rays and they lost. And the Rays, like I said, have won 16 of 17. Giancarlo Stanton came back and he was—he's not been good. I think he was 0 for 12 coming to tonight's game with eight strikeouts. He was getting booed. The Yankees are 24th out of 30 teams in runs scored entering tonight. They're bottom five in slugging. In the 30 games, they've scored in, in 30 games they scored three runs or fewer. Only the Pirates have had more games where they've scored three runs or fewer. In 21 of the 54 games they played entering today. They score two runs or fewer. They lead the league in grounding into double plays and the most outs on the base paths. Buying or selling, it's time to panic in the Bronx about the Yankees again.
0: I love panicking about the Yankees. What do you mean panicking? I'm cheerleading this. I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the leader of the Yankee hate bandwagon. <laughs> I love this. What do you mean am I panicking? I want them to panic. I want them to. I want them to feel it. I want him to feel the burn.
2: They're, uh, plus, you know, remember, DJ LeMahieu's struggling. Gary Sanchez is struggling.
0: Oh, not the same guy.
2: They're also, I mean, Aaron Judge is hitting like 298, but that's not going to last long. I mean, none of them are hitting. Uh, the, I don't know if you were watching Intentional Talk, by the way, just because we're I was talking about the eight Rays and Yankees. Our, our friend Brett Phillips was on there earlier. He's such a good interview. He did an interview uh, Steven Nelson and, and Kevin Malaw. Uh he's he's so good and entertaining. Uh it, it was funny because they told him to go do the airplane in the middle of Yankees infield practice and he goes if I go do that, Gary Sanchez is gonna annihilate me with the ball up the middle and I first thing I thought of if Sanchez can catch up with the ball, but it's a different story for a different day because the Yankees aren't playing well. But uh the going into Memorial Day, this is when you say you can really start to evaluate your team, and that's what Scott Miller told us. But taking a look at the Reds, they're currently hitting two forty-six as a team. In 2020, they had the worst batting average as a team they're hitting 212 well currently they have two players sitting over 300 for them that be jesse winker and nicholas castellanos now here's a stat for you you love stats since great american small park opened in 2003 only 11 players have hit for 300 in a season and seven of those were joey gallo so four guys other than joey gallo have hit for 300 in a season for the reds Neither Cassianos or Winker have ever. Joey Votto? Yeah, so what I say? Like gallo. Joey gallo yeah, Joey Votto, sorry. Joey Votto did it seven times. A... <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not doing that
0: at the Rangers Park or the yeah. Great American Bandbox? Yeah,
2: so seven times Gallo's. Votto's done it. They're both left handed. Um, one has power, one doesn't anymore. Uh, but Votto's done it seven times, and so four the guys have done it. Neither Cassianos or Winker have hit 300 in their career. For some context, in Eugenio Suarez, who at forty nine homers in twenty nineteen is hitting under one I think he's hitting under one sixty right now for the Reds. Buying or selling, the Reds will produce a three hundred hitter this season.
0: Selling. All right. So, I think the odds are in my favor.
2: All right. Well, now let's get to
0: Oh, the- hey, by the way, MLB network today had some prop bets up there. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm like, oh, no one can gamble on baseball, but there's prop bets, and MGM's a sponsor, and oh god, yeah,
2: it so was it was uh, over under five and a half strikeouts for Chris Bassett tonight.
0: You going over? Or you going under? I'm going over. I'm I'm going way over.
2: It's the it's the Mariners. They strike out a lot. Everyone Bass- strikes out.
0: <laughs> ba- 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 Bassie, I, I'm looking at an eight eight to uh, ten strikeout night for Bassie.
2: All right, so uh, yeah, I could see that, but then again, I think that could happen for. Uh, Marco Gonzalez and the Mariners bullpen. Cause the A's check out a lot too. So the, the Mariners, 13,
0: 11, yeah. 12, 10, 13. <laughs> I mean, if you went just the amount of strikeouts, the A's have game after game after game, it's, it's pretty crazy.
2: All right. So uh, last one, cause we got to go in a few minutes. Uh, the Mets continue to impress with all their injuries. And uh, with what well, we mentioned Lindor and we'll get into his, his deal tomorrow, but they lead the NLE somehow with all their injuries. One of the injuries, What's to their best player, Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom is back now, and he pitched last night versus Torrey Lavello, our good friend, and the Diamondbacks, who are uh, not good. They are not good. Uh, He went six innings long, two hits, and he struck out eight. His average fastball velocity was 100 miles an hour. He lowered his season ERA to .71. He has the third lowest ERA entering June ever and the fourth lowest ERA through the first eight starts of a season. In the eight-game span, he has 80-plus strikeouts, and he has allowed fewer than 25 hits. Oh, and he's hitting 450 on the season as a hitter. Buying or selling Jacob deGrom is a legit MVP candidate in the National League.
0: Has he been drug tested?
2: Uh, I I, that, I don't know those rules. I don't work for Major League Baseball's pro,
0: the, the commissioner's office. You know the rule. When guys start to do stuff that we really have never seen before, you have to start asking questions, right? Yeah. I mean, Jacob DeGrom is as he gets older, his fastball gets better. When does that happen? Uh, no. Now, if you were always throwing that hard and you maintained it, okay. But that's the thing for me about DeGrom is I saw that graph of his fastball just going up and up and up and and you're just like, All right. Is it the ball? Is it him? Something's going on. Yeah, because he's what, 32, about to be 33? Yeah. I'm just saying, name me a player who was a starter, entered his 30s, and about to, you know, once you go 33, are we going to call that mid-30s?
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're entering. And
0: he's now throwing harder than he's ever thrown before?
2: Yeah, it's, it's crazy.
0: It's probably on the up and up. I'm just saying we've been fooled too many times to think, wow, look at this guy's getting better.
2: Yeah. Well, Guys were
0: having career years at 36, 37, 38. Yeah, that wasn't real.
2: Yeah, and we can maybe get into it another time, but uh, Buster asked a good question to Tim Kirchner earlier. Is this the greatest the most dominant – how do you phrase it? It was essentially what Jacob deGrom doing right now is the most dominant performance we've ever seen from a pitcher ever. And, ever? And, and Kirchner said, no, it's not. It, what Paige Martinez did from 1999 to 2000 during the steroid era, where he had an ERA three points lower than what the average the league average was, was the most dominant performance ever. So, there you go. Ever? Yeah, ever. I don't know. That's what he said. He goes, you know how I like
0: yeah, – By Koufax – uh, Gibson, uh, this is definitely up there though. I mean, I, if, if you say that this is not up there, then you're just one of these people that baseball today can never be as good as it was years exactly.
2: ago. Exactly.
0: Because DeGrom, what he is doing, if it's on the reel, it's, it's incredible.
2: So that's it for today. We're going to play David Forrest before. ACL All right. Access.
0: General managers next. And, uh, what time am I back? 6.10?
2: Uh,
1: yeah,
0: 6'10". Great show, Cody. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland
3: Athletics.